0: BLOB TALK RADIO I'm your host, Julian Moss Backman, and this is Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice. We're moving into Lesson 2 in the series that I have called Power in the Quiet Moments. Meditation is one of the hottest growing trends in America right now. It originated thousands of years ago and has its ties to Eastern philosophical thought. In a nutshell, it encourages all human beings on this planet to explore a focused detachment from the outside world and obtain lasting internal spiritual peace. You know, I'm thrilled when I get to talk about meditation, and I'm just excited that it's spreading like wildfire across this country. Finally, it signifies that we're ready to quit fighting against the natural flow of spiritual energy that rules this planet, the energy that runs deep within each one of us that makes us focus our attention on our individual soul work that we're all supposed to be doing here, and it fires up the healing effects through the ability to calm ourselves down, withdraw from the artificial chaos in all of our worlds, and the drama and seek higher wisdom to know the difference between the truth and our own created drama within our head. You know, in the long run, this really does practice. Meditation will benefit us all exclusively in the end. That's why I try to encourage as many people that I come in contact with to start meditating. It has this great potential to form a population of people who can truly live in a more calm and balanced lifestyle. And eventually it will move to our communities in a more calm and balanced society in the end. By minimizing these dramatic fluctuations between highs and lows from the stress that we have each and every day, This calmness will begin to bleed into all aspects of our significant relationship. We'll have less strung out parents that will actually listen to their children. And the children will learn to meditate at an early age. We'll have partners that start truly listening to each other and responding to the needs of what they need to make them all better human beings. And it can even make our leaders truly lead with their hearts instead of their minds. You know, meditation can convert anyone to a spirit-centered lifestyle, which nurtures this internal sense of spiritual identity without anybody's permission, without anybody's intervention, or any other persuasion from another human being outside themselves. This is what's so great about meditation. You know, in the last series, in the last show I did last week, I brought up the suggestion of each one of you finding your sacred space before you even try any kind of meditation sessions. I hope you all were listening, and I hope you did your homework. Because it's really crucial that you find that space and set it up yourself for a big yes on meditation to come next. One of the most common criticisms for the practice of meditation is it's too hard to quiet that mind. We've all heard that common quote, stop the mind chatter." You know, there's really no protocol on how to achieve that. There's no really no way that I can personally tell you how to stop the mind chatter. But I can tell you, if you have a space to retreat from, a place that you own that is calm and quiet and represents all the things to you that mean something of calm and quiet-centeredness, you'll get a leg up on the meditations that we're going to start doing with today and in the future. You have to remember, meditation is one of those rewards that has this nebulous um, achievement to it. It's different for each person. And you'll find as the more you do it, the rewards will triple fold if you can dedicate yourself on how to learn to do it. But the ultimate responsibility for figuring how meditation works is simply through trial and error. Now, let me warn you, before we start into getting the logistics of meditation, it takes practice. I know many of us have become impatient, and I've talked about spiritual patience in the past. Meditation is one of those kind of things in your life that doesn't come easy. For some of you, it's going to be easier than others. And there's thousands of ways to do it. There's classes everywhere in all communities nowadays. Even churches are starting to add meditation classes to their repertoire of what they add to their parishioners. There's ancient texts you can follow that give us a step-by-step guide on the how-tos of doing meditation in the most highest regard. You can really make this challenge easier if you did what I asked, which was write a mission statement on top of finding that sacred space last week. You really have to define your own intentions for meditating. And meditating is one of those events that changes from week to week, moment to moment, day to day, person to person. So if you don't know what you're doing it for, I can't tell you what you're doing it for. When you write out a mission statement, it helps you refine your ideas of what you want to achieve in the end. I hope you were able to complete those simple suggestions that I asked because now we're going to go into the step-by-step methods that I have come across that work best for me. When I stress the point of locating your sacred space first, right up front, what happens with that, if after a while, if you figure out where your meditation spot is, your body, mind, and more importantly, your soul, will go into this automatic pilot mode. And over time, this space will become like an energy magnet for you that pulls you in automatically every day without even thinking about it. You know, when I was turning a certain significant age a while back, (laughs) I was being pressured by my significant family members around me to tell them what I wanted for a gift for my birthday. Now, you have to understand, I'm the kind of person that's very particular I really have to have an emotional connection to the personal effects that I have in my life. I'm not really interested at this age anymore of buying stuff just to have more stuff. In fact, I've been accused of holding on to old stuff too much and that I need to upgrade my stuff. I really like my stuff. I have an emotional attachment to my stuff. Anyway, so when I buy something... I really have a vested interest emotionally into it. Well, one day my family and I, we were out shopping and looking around, and I spotted something out of the corner of my eye. It was something I had seen before, but I had no idea where to purchase it. And believe it or not, I had filed it away in my mind when I saw one of these items in my past. It was a low chair with a real high back. Now, when I say low chair, I mean really low, like the legs were only about three inches or so off the ground. Now, think about that. That's a pretty low chair. Now, if you've never seen a chair like this, you probably have no idea what in the world it was for. But I knew immediately that I had found my birthday holy grail when I found this thing. It was actually a meditation chair from India. It was beautifully carved, and it had this rattan seat that was real low. And I just felt in love with this chair, and I knew that it was coming home this day with me. I ran as fast as I could to the checkout counter and got it before anybody saw it. I ran home, and I set up my corner of my sacred space in my own home, and it really hasn't moved since. Now, the kitty sits on it sometimes or she'll sit beside me, now, you don't have to be that exaggerated in your intentions of setting up your own sacred space. But I cannot tell you and stress enough the imperativeness that it is to claim some kind of small piece of real estate in your home or in your backyard, your yard to call your own. After the break, I want to get started and I want to talk about how I can help you find your way back to what's called the spiritual home, which in essence is our soul voice inside ourselves through the art of ancient soulful meditation. We'll be right back with Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice, after a short break. Welcome back to Change Already Your Future, Your Choice. You know, I am ultimately responsible for picking out every subject that I talk about and every series I put together. I'm one of those lucky ones that um, can manage my own radio program and present what I want. And that's an exciting proposition. But you know when I think of meditation, it's kind of strange because I get the complete opposite of what meditation is ultimately responsible for, which is calming you down and bringing you to a place of peace my My insights get all giddy when I start talking about it because I just have such reverence for the process itself, and it's added so much value my life, and it's one of those gifts that I want each one of you to at least experience some point in your life and give it a chance. I know it gets a little frustrating in the beginning, but if you can fight through the beginning aspects of meditation, the rewards are tenfold at the other end. So I'm going to present as much as I can in the next part of this show, and if I don't get through it all, I'm going to have to extend it to another show next week, I think. Anyway, as I've told you, I have trouble containing myself. For some reason, when I was growing up, I started meditating on my own since I was a little kid. And I'm not really sure how I got to that. And, And in my book, I talk about my little pink bedroom and my little pink bed, canopy bed that I would sit behind and just go inward just by accident, I suppose. I really didn't know what I was doing. And I think that's why I have an easier time of meditating as adults. But, you know, I think about life without meditation now, and my first thought, to be honest with you, is what foolishness that is. Now, I understand that's a really strong statement, and by no means, I'm not suggesting to those of you that do not meditate yet that you are foolish. I'm saying the act of not meditating is a foolish idea. Think of it this way. When I don't meditate, it feels to me like I am pushing boulders through quicksand, like a constant battle, an internal battle with this confused beast that's unleashed inside of me a nonconformist that wants me to fail in every aspect of my life. And it keeps me from finding and using that soul voice inside myself to the greatest potential that I have. You know, that soul voice helps us locate and find the intrinsic rewards of harmony and peace in a world that really strives to a certain extent on anger, resentment, and confusion most of the time. And it seems those of you that are not meditating on a regular basis, that you're fighting against this beast. And the more that you fight, the more that you lose sight of how to find that inner peace that we all talk about and that we all ultimately seek. It's like quicksand. We get swallowed up by insignificant external junk that really doesn't matter in the long run to the greatest potential of who we are. But I've learned through meditation this inward beast that we all have can be minimized with simple moments of quiet contemplation. This contemplation, meditation, helps us step out of this battleground And in reality, it's really our own mind making things up anyway. And it allows you to step back into higher ground and you can assess what battles are worth fighting for in your life and which ones you should retreat and walk away from. I'm telling you, I really have no earthly idea how you people who are not meditating can survive in this pressure cooker every day and not go mad. When I don't do meditation or I skip it or I get too busy, you know, I really pay the price because I have to figure out how to get rid of this junk that's inside of me that's built up because I have not done my daily meditation. Meditation is deliberately detaching from that outside drama, that that junk that builds up inside of us. It's a way of looking and reviewing our life from the past, the present, and the future. It also grants us permission to seek the quietness within. And once you start seeking that quietness within, you'll begin to see the power that it holds for each one of us. It allows us to get out of our head with that mind chatter and focus on that soul center, the heart of ourselves. It gives us the strength to assess what we've learned through all of our experiences without judgment. And it unveils the truth of what we may need to change in the future for greater awareness to find out who we really are. We never should forget that we have lessons to learn and we each have a purpose here on life. When we think of meditation, we think of that crazy little thin woman, right, sitting in a lotus position which is crossed legs in front of her and her palms are together and she's chanting away and sometimes she's rocking back and forth and sometimes she isn't. I know that's the goal that everybody sees and that's the icon that's most common with meditation. But I've worked with so many people in the past and I'm going to give you a few ideas of where to start that may help you be more effective in your meditation. You have to ask yourself this question first. Are you an introvert personality or you are an extrovert personality? What you need to understand is that each one of these kind of personalities have a different set of meditations to practice. Let's start with the extrovert. How many of you feel that you're extroverted? Here's some characteristics that I put to an extrovert when we're talking about meditation. It's someone who is in constant motion and has trouble coming down in the evening after a long day. They have trouble falling asleep at night, and they're usually tossing and turning with so much brain activity throughout the night, they really don't successfully get a good night. These kind of people should never start out with that traditional method of meditation that we're being told. The mind chatter, I just take my word for it, is going to blow you right off track from calmer waters straight away. The mind chatter is what's going to be the hardest part for extrovert people to overcome in the beginning. I suggest for you kind of people that you start with a walking meditation session. Now, when I I say walking, I mean walking, not running. Running is is a body exercise. Walking in meditation is a meditative kind of thing. Now, when you're doing this, I like to add a power statement that reflects where you're at in your life and where you want to go and signifies to the brain that you're calming down. I'm going to give you one of mine because I consider myself part extrovert and part introvert, quite frankly, and I think everyone has a little mixture of both, but there's a dominant one, and of course mine is the extrovert, obviously. Anyway, this is a statement that I use when I'm doing a walking meditation. I'm at peace with who and what I am, and I relinquish my ego to the highest truth. Now, when you're doing walking meditations, you want to come up with your power strategy and your power phrase before you start walking. And these words, in particular, you may find they need to be in cadence with your walks So with each word, it should be in rhythm with the steps that you take. When you go out there, it may not work exactly to the cadence of your walk. So take the power statement with you originally. Just kind of work with it when you get out there and mold it to your walking style. Now, you can make up your own, but I want to caution you, this is not an exercise routine. It gets exercised when you start running. This is about your goal as an extrovert to come to a sense of nothingness, a blank slate, so to speak. Now, you may ask, where does the sacred space fit into an extrovert that's doing walking? Again, last week I talked about mobile sacred spaces, and for me, My neighborhood in particular is very safe. I have a route that I, several routes that I go to when I'm doing a walking meditation. So for me, when the sacred space comes into outside and it has a boundaries of where my sacred space is. So you're using a mobile one instead of a static one. Once you figure out how you can calm your mind from walking, Then you can move into the sitting lotus position and really learn how to calm your mind down first and then go into that state of peace and calm. Now, for you extra introvert personalities, excuse me, those are the ones that are very well suited for traditional methods that we all hear about and see in classes. These are the kind of people that have very little trouble going to sleep and letting go of the the internal mind chatter. (laughs) Lucky people. They're able with the switch of a button to turn off that mind chatter any time they choose. I mean, are there really people that can do this? I have friends that really can do this, I'm telling you. They really have no trouble going to sleep at night. And they can rest throughout the night. I mean, they don't toss and turn. And so when they, when they go to sleep, they go to sleep. They're the perfect candidate for that natural sitting position. They should go right into that action of sitting into their sacred space and calming down, using the same kind of power statement that I talked about earlier, and adapt it to a sitting position. Now, those are the two different kinds of personalities and where you should start with meditation. The one thing that's universal through everything is the breath. Now, everybody makes a big deal about breathing in meditation, and I have to agree. But what I have seen in a lot of people is they get so focused on doing the breath correctly, they set themselves into a panic attack because they're so afraid of doing it wrong and want to do it right that they, they get more confused with the mind chatter on how to do it properly than just breathing. So here's the breath information and exercise that I tell everyone to go through. When you start taking a breath, you want to take a breath inward on the inhale, and you want to aim the breath towards the back of your head. Think of it like this. It's like a diagonal line between the roof of your mouth and it extends clear to the crown of your skull upward. Now, it's a good thing we're not on Skype <laughs> because I'm actually doing that. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, bringing in the breath through the roof of your mouth and diagonally up to your skull. And you can actually put your head, your hand back towards the back of the top of your head for a while for you to visually see yourself doing it now on the exhale you want to imagine the breath releasing from the highest point of your head into the body downward covering the entire body with oxygen now some of you may feel experience a little bit of light this is okay Because believe it or not, the lightheadedness actually helps calm down the mind chatter. Now, you want to repeat and let the energy move in and out with each breath. Eventually, the goal is what will happen is nothingness. And emptiness will replace your conscious attempts at breathing. Now, the more that you teach yourself this breathing technique, the quicker you're going to start entering that quiet zone. Now, as I told you earlier, you'll learn once you figure out your sacred space, this will become automatic. I'm going to stop there for now and then go into some other meditative things next week because we have a special guest coming to us. This Thursday, her name is Jill Angelo, and she is from a company called Space of Grace. We're going to go into great detail about creating that sacred space, and she's going to talk about her new course that she's offering in the world today. So make sure that you come back here on Thursday, as always, high noon, Blog Talk Radio. But between now and then, I want you to remember... Change doesn't have to be hard, but it is necessary to grow. Make sure you find me on Facebook or at my webpage at JillianMossBackman.com. We'll see you on Thursday.